Good morning. I'm Angela Davis, and you're listening to NPR News. So glad you could join us today. This week, we're listening back to my series called Power Pairs. It's about prominent Minnesotans you may know about individually, but in the context of a relationship, we get to see them through a fresh lens. Today, we're starting at the beginning with longtime friends you've probably heard about separately. One is a well-known Minnesota therapist. One is a politician. They met when they were in their 20s, long before their careers took off and as they each earned national recognition. I'm talking about Resma Minikim and Keith Ellison. Resma Minikem is a licensed clinical social worker who specializes in the healing of racialized trauma. He has worked as a counselor for the Minneapolis Police Department. He was also the director of counseling services for the Tubman Family Alliance, a domestic violence treatment center in Minneapolis. And he's been the behavioral health director for African-American Family Services in Minneapolis. Keith has served in Congress and the Minnesota House of Representatives. He also led the prosecution team in the trial of Derek Chauvin, the Minneapolis police officer convicted of murdering George Floyd. A couple of years ago, I came across an old photo of Keith and Resma. I think it was from 1995, a black and white picture that looked like it was from a newspaper clipping. And there was a line that identified the two of them as co-hosts of a radio talk show on KMOJ-FM, which is a community radio station in Minneapolis. This surprised me, and I had to find out more about their story. So I started my conversation by asking Resma what he remembered about hosting a radio show when he and Keith were in their 20s. You know, uh, the way, the reason why we even did the talk show is that Keith, you know, a lot of people don't know that, uh, that Keith has a, has a brilliant, brilliant recall. He can, he can, I, I can't do like dates, like, like Keith can come up with dates and facts, and do you remember in 1937? This, uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's, a right. that's right. You know, he and 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 I'm more of like kind of like the global person. I was like, well, you know, that means that this is what was happening, and here's what people were experiencing. There was a time. movement. Yeah, there was a movement there. And so um, uh, Keith Keith was doing that on KMOJ before I was, and he had got asked to come on and talk about uh, uh, um, Malcolm X. That's right, and and Malcolm X's birthday. And then he called me up one day and he said, hey, man, you know, you want to get on and talk talk about Malcolm X with me? I said, yeah, I'd love to. And then after the show, it just blew up and everybody was like, we got y'all got to have them on. So then we started doing every Thursday for like 10 years, like 10 years, for 10 years. <laughs> yeah. this. What, Keith, what do you remember about those days uh, co-hosting a radio show with Resma? Well, first of all, uh, live radio is a lot of fun because you absolutely never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Right. You know, so and you know that. Angela. <laughs> but we talked about everything. We talked about uh, domestic violence and, you know, ex- uh, Resma's an expert in, in dealing with uh, that trauma. And but we also talked about what was happening in the north side community and mm-hmm. the black community. Mm-hmm. We talked about world affairs, foreign affairs. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we covered the gambit. You yeah. know, we tried to. We, we, we said to ourselves, we, we never, we never want to have a show that's just based on complaints. Yeah. So we, with the end of the show, we always said, we'll say, what are we going to do? Yes. Right. What is the solution mm-hmm. here? Right. And we did a lot of, uh, live calls. That's right. A lot know? of live. That <laughs> was know? our whole thing. Yeah. 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 What were you hearing from the community? Yeah. Q community and, and people within, uh, the KMOJ community and also people that weren't in the Camel J community. So people, we would have some, it was, it, it, it would get gully. <laughs> As I look at that photo, uh, I see fire in both of your eyes. Oh, yeah. Is that from partially from these conversations and what you were feeling 
in your bones about what is what is is my purpose in life. So so Re- so Resma and I are different personalities, but we have some things that we share. Yes. And one is a burning passion, yeah. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Resma. Uh, but a lot of a lot of people don't know, but he's he's gone across the seas to war zones to try to help people who were in the throes of deep trauma, who were considering suicide, mm-hmm. helping soldiers who you were, were in Afghanistan. Is that mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's duty, man. That's mm-hmm. tough duty. You can't do that without passion. You have to believe in helping people when they're in their worst moments. And I I share that. You know what I mean. And so uh, what you see in our eyes is the shared you know passion for service. I think also what you see is uh, our two young men who were cultivated in a community. Um, you know, me and Keith, we didn't. What you see in that picture wasn't just like we made ourselves and we're you know made men. Right. Um, we had we had we had. Um, Mahmoud El Kati loving yep. us through that. We had Mother Tomb loving us. We had Saba. We had we had the mosque. We had. I mean, we had a lot. Randy Stat. We had Randy Stat. That's right. <laughs> You're referencing older yeah. black men in the community. That's right. Who That's right. And women, Josie. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, people, people who when we were doing our thing, they was like loving us, like. Go ahead, baby, and, and 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 come and talk to us, and sit down with us, and 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 so what you see in that is a result of a community that actually loved us and, and cultivated us, um, and and and, co- and and I really believe cultivated the people you see today. If it's not, mm-hmm. if it's not for those people, I don't think the configuration of who me and Keith are would be. So people poured themselves into you. Oh my you. God! Yeah, you know, Mahmoud Al Kati, you know, is was one who we would check in with former. Uh, Professor Emeritus at McAllister right. College. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and and still kicking, you know. <laughs> still with us and yeah. busy. <laughs> yeah, and and and, and uh Rezma and I will go go see him and sit down with him every few months. Yeah. Nice. Just sit down and and, and Mock, if you're listening, shout <laughs> out. <laughs> shout out Mark. Yeah. But uh, you know, like Josie Johnson was one of our, you know, Mother at Tomb, yes, uh, right. you yes, know. Right. Yes, uh just just a lot of folks who care a lot about community. Yeah have a lot to offer and who have a ethic of building leadership. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. they, they are going to pass it on. They're eldering. They've That's made right. it in. They've Beautiful. thought through what is eldering and here's what we're going to do with our, with if we've been gifted with long, long life. That's right. What are we going to do with it? That's it? So when you first met though, what did you think of each other? Because, um, you know, I believe it was before either of you had uh, completed law school or yeah. grad school Stand at school. the university of Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, and, um, what were your early impressions of each other? Cause I know sometimes as women, like when you encounter other strong women with strong personalities, it can be perceived as competition. It's right. not necessarily, Oh, I'm drawn to you. Like we're, we are like-minded. Right. It can be competitive, right. but, that was not the case with you two. I don't. I don't, I don't think remember so. that. I think I, the, the the earliest thoughts of Keith was us laughing. Mm-hmm. Like 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 that's the, like when I think about how we came together. I think I think we came together. We we had a different a number of different experiences where we were with the Amandala Book Club. We were going to Yahoo right. bookstore, all right. that different type of stuff. But I I always thought him as probably. One of the most brilliant people I've ever met. Like, like when I, when I would watch him talk, cause I, I, it was one of the things I didn't have that skill. So when I looked at him and he could do that, oh, yes, I was like, did. and he was from Detroit too. He grew up in Detroit. <laughs> yeah. And I grew yeah. up in Milwaukee. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, you know what? That is one of the things that attracted us to, oh, yeah, to yeah. each other. And we, we both got Southern roots. And we, they both got Southern roots. And so, <laughs> and so I think the piece that, that where we came from kind of like where you had to like, 
knuckle up and you, you know, kind of rough, you know, bus in, all, all that different type of stuff. I think that's one of the things that attracted us to each other. And I, I tell you this about Resma. He, I remember uh, that he and I were uh, somewhat in the age, uh, same age category, and we were working with people who were of a number of generations. So I saw him as like that guy. He's got he's he made insightful comments, mm-hmm. and I saw I walked over for and, a very young man. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and I'd be like, "Hey, uh, what's up, man?" That's right. That's and right. he starts going on about Milwaukee. And I'm like, "Well, that's kind of like Detroit, <laughs> that's you know." Right. That's right. And and you got roots in Texas. That's right. And I got Texas, roots down, Mississippi. Yeah, and I got them down in Louisiana, Georgia. So we, we we just got to be friends that way. So you were in your twenties then. You're in your fifties now. <clears throat> um, he Are is. you? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no. Oh, really? You haven't made it yet. <laughs> I okay. turned sixty. Yeah. Oh, you're older. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Really? I did not know that. Yeah, I turned sixty last uh, on August fourth. Wow. August 4th. Uh, What do you value about your friendship? Uh, Over decades, you've seen each other. So what do you think you value the most? Um, Look, uh, just Resma is a great person to get perspective. He has a he has a 360 view of the world. So I'll say I'm I'm a little more, I think, linear. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'll be like, well, here's what I want to do. And he'll say, well, have you thought about this, 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 this and this? Like we're talking like we both wrote books. Right. Mm -hmm. I consulted with him on the process of writing the books. I mean, he he cranks them out. Mm -hmm. And uh, so who am I going to ask about the process of writing a book other than Resma? You know, and then. So he adds value in that he thinks in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And and then I got to tell you this. There have been, you know, in politics, uh, politics can be rough, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, the world sees the press conference, the press release, mm-hmm. the public face. But, you know, it, when it takes a toll on you, you want a friend to talk to, and Resma's been there for me. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. That's why I said someone to lean on. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you value about your friendship? I love this dude. I mean, um, I, I, uh, I've, I've loved this dude for, for, for 40 years, for, for a lot of years. Um, and... You know, with that comes, you know, when when I'm not at my best, when he's struggling. And, it, and it's cool in the family because Maria will go, my wife, my wife will go sometimes, you talk to Keith lately. There's <laughs> <laughs> only so much I can do with your wife. Have you, have you called him? That's exactly right. I hear you. As, and so, and so. And Dial so, a friend. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And so I think for me, um, just, just, I just love the dude. Um, and we've grew, we've grown up and we've, we've, we've talked and we've che- checked each other and we've said, Hey man, you sure you want to do that? You sure you want to do this? You, and, um, and it, through that, there's, a, there's a, a level of glue that I don't think I'll ever go anyplace between us. If you're just joining us, uh, I'm talking with two longtime friends as I kick off a series called Power Pairs. It's about prominent Minnesotans and their relationship with each other. Maybe they're best friends or they're siblings or married to each other or mother, daughter, father, son. Today, I'm focusing on two longtime friends and hearing how they have supported each other over decades. Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison and trauma expert and therapist Resma Menachem. They are both book authors as well. Resma, I don't often hear men in particular talking about close friendships. You know, have you found that to be true that uh, compared to women, uh, men can be a bit more private about their male friendships and, and really many of them don't really have close right. trusted friends. Right. Um, how do you describe the benefit of these close friendships, particularly for men? I honestly, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take a kind of divergent view here um, with, with black men. I see that differently. 
Mm-hmm. Like I've seen, I, I I see black men doing things that I don't think get a lot of a lot of um, room. Um, like I see black men telling each other that they love them all the time. I see black men touching each other all the time. Hug. And, Hug and and back, dude, dude, back dude, dude, I'm, dude, dude, I'm, uh, and even and even even not just a backslap, but dude, I, I miss you, man. Man, it's good to see you. I love you, brother. Like like those pieces, I don't think people see those types of things. So so like when 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 I'm with a lot of my friends who are black men, um, yes, there's 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 that piece where we don't share emotion or we don't share this, but I really think that that's starting to change. I think the breadth of 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 maleness, the breadth of manness, the breadth of the continuum of of projective and 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 receptive qualities. I think I think that's changing now. I think watching watching Keith with his kids, his male kids, they hug, they kiss, they they like you know what I mean. Hey, dad, had pop, you know, like that. With my kids, I mean, my kid, my, my, my son still lays on me. Like I'll be on the couch, and he'll just come and lay on me. Right? Those, those. So, so I think I think this idea of black men don't touch or black men are don't have close relationships. I think that's really changing. Keith, trauma will change you. <laughs> you know, when you go through when you go through a lot hard. of a lot of crazy things, and you know, and. uh you know, look, I think it is we all need to learn how to relate to each other better. I mean, you know, Resma is an expert in relationships. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, he understands this at a level that, that exceeds mine in most people. Right. But uh, I think, you know, it is important for you to have connectivity in this world. People are people are social animals. Mm-hmm. People are not meant to be in isolation. And you're going to deal with your trauma one way or another. That's right. Maybe you're going to drink. Maybe you're going to take drugs. Maybe you're going to women. I mean, you're going to womanize. Women, yeah. You know, you're, mm-hmm. who, who knows? But if you want to have a healthy right. way of being in the world, you need to do it in community. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about <clears throat> one of my own close friends um, who is a local television news anchor here, Amelia Santanello yeah, at WCCO-TV. Yeah, yeah. We met in our early 20s and have moved around the country, and we both landed here, met our husbands here, and we're still very close friends. Mm-hmm. And the kind of conversations we have, it's almost like we have our own language. Exactly mm-hmm. right. Like, mm-hmm. she can just look at me. I'm like, don't look at me that Does way. I- <laughs> <laughs> don't, okay, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's, it is a beautiful, powerful thing. It is. Um, but it, that's it's, the glue I'm talking about. The glue, yeah, yeah, that that connection and it, it, it's powerful. But in your friendship, if you think the other person has done something wrong, uh, how do you go about addressing that? Do you wait for the phone call, or you know, you know, in Keith's situation, you might read it in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, what what is it? How important is it to have validation or approval? Right. I call I so so if something's going like if if like when when the uh, George Floyd stuff was going on when I was I called him all the time I was calling I said man I'm just checking even if he didn't pick up the phone I said man I'm just checking in I want you to hear me I want you to know I'm here and if there were things that happened and and, and we started during that time we started really making a concerted effort to have breakfast on the weekends so we would we would on a Sunday or a Saturday we would go and and just be with each other and just sit there and even if we didn't say much right we just mm-hmm. we would just eat and laugh and and, and and say stupid stuff and and all that different type of stuff and and so if there were things 
there there had there there haven't been a lot of things, but there's things that you know we don't think the same. So there are things that I go, you know, I wonder if he's seeing this piece or I wonder this piece, and so I'll I'll just call him or he'll call me and we'll just rap about it. And it's it never I have never like had a situation with Keith where I go. You know what, man? You just need to like, like, just trying to ram my point home because what we do is we kind of do this kind of like go back and forth. Well, what do you think about this? And he said, Well, I, I'm really, I really think it, this is the way it should be. And I said, Well, what about this? And then we just, we just work with it. And so I don't think there's ever been a time where we said, mm-hmm. Well, dude, if you're going to think like that, we can't, we can never be friends. Um, so there's yeah. a value of this different point of view because it can feel like I'm in the middle of a storm. I don't have clarity. What yeah. are you seeing? That's exactly. Right? But that's what. It, yeah. That's really kind of what, so look, he, he, just because we don't argue and fight doesn't mean we don't have uncomfortable conversations Exactly right. Be, because, you know, I'll just give you one example among many, many, many. My wife was during the Floyd case. My, my wife was worried about my safety That's right. Mm-hmm. and she thinks I'm. And you had security, right? Or uh, not, 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 not really. Not yeah. only, well, that's kind of how I got some. That's exactly right. Exactly <laughs> right. This is the story because me, I'm like, I ain't scared of nobody. You know what I mean? And, uh, She's like, um, I'm no, we're going to get some cameras around here. We're going to do some things to make sure everybody gets through this. And who did she call to get my head on right? Looking at this right. Who she knew would li- you would listen. Yes. To, she right? knew I'd listen to Res. So she calls Resma. She says, you need to talk to this cat. I don't really know what they talked about. All I know is that he's like, meet me. Uh, at a at, at a place you and I are going to go for a long walk and have a long talk. That's right. And honestly, I did feel a little uncomfortable because I was like, man, I'm fine. Ain't nobody going to do nothing to me. I'm not scared of anyone. And and so and so he's like, okay, take all that macho toxicity <laughs> over, put it over in the corner. We're going to talk about getting through the situation. Exactly right. And mm-hmm. so, the, the, and, and you know, um, yeah. And so it, that was a big help that because, was, because yeah. I really wasn't looking at things properly, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there and, you go. And one of the reasons why when she called me, I took it so seriously is because I, you know, because of my work and the work that I do and the way that I talk about it, um, especially racialized stuff, I get a lot of death threats and have been getting a you lot of You have had to have yeah, security. That's exactly and during right. During book tours. During book tours, yeah. And so when she called me, I was like, yeah, yeah, with this? Yeah, I'm going to make sure. <laughs> and, and she said, well, he's not listening to me. I was like, okay, well, I, I, well, I got it, right? Because, because I know how crazies operate. And, and, and they look for the most vulnerable place. And, and you may be like, I can handle everything. And then they show up with, with an AR-15 or something like that. And so, 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 so we, that was an uncomfortable conversation. And I, 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 I think one of the things about me and Keith is that some, I think when we've had those conversations, we give each other a lot of room. Mm-hmm. And then before I knew it, he was he, he had some security. <laughs> I had a question about how do you make time for each other with with travel, with uh, heavy workloads. Yeah. But you mentioned scheduling breakfast. He'll call me. I'll call him. He'll say, hey, man, I ain't heard from you. And we'll say, well, you want to do something Saturday? And he said, I said, yeah. All right. Again, we're talking uh, about power pairs, uh, people who uh, have a connection. Uh, Maybe they're siblings, married to each other, business partners, or in this case, close friends. My guest today, Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison and trauma expert and therapist Resma Menicum, also both book authors, hearing about uh, their friendship that has spanned decades. Uh, Resma and Keith, let's take a phone call from a listener in Minneapolis. Bob is on the phone. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. Hi. What do you want to ask or share? 
I had a question about the religious background, if that helped them, if they have similar religious backgrounds to help them build a closer friendship. It seems for me having a similar religious background helps build relationship with other men. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if that helped them or if they had different mm-hmm. backgrounds. Uh, good question. How would you answer that? Has that played a role in, in your connection? Well, faith and values and spirituality have played a clear connection. Mm-hmm. But in terms of our prayer rituals, mm-hmm. they're, they're different. I'm Muslim. Mm-hmm. Res my, uh, um, really, really, my, my whole thing is I have a strong belief in the um, in that black people have a connection to creation that is unbroken. And and for me, it really is about how do we begin to reclaim those pieces. Um, regardless of, of, of your religious background, there is a unbroken connection in creation between us and creation. The very first representation of humanness on this planet was a black woman. Um, and so for me, that means something. And so I think the way I don't I don't think the religious aspect played in it as much as we both love black people. Right. Um, but in some ways, that could be because you don't have the same uh, type yeah. of faith. It could be a big difference. Yeah. But it hasn't created a difference. No, no, no. I love the fact that he's Muslim. I love the fact that he sees the world different than I see the world from time to time. But we all what we both love black people. And we both love justice and we both love making sure that there's liberation in the world. Um, and for me, I think that's for me, I think that's the kind of essence that keeps me and him together. What does that mean to you when he says we both love black people? Well, I mean, we we both love all of humanity, uh, but we have to be factual about it. I mean, in the you American love con- equality, you love equality. Yeah, but justice. It, but in the equality. American context, I yes. mean, Come look, on. you know, two hundred and fifty years of slavery, a hundred years of Jim Crow. It's a, it's you know, I mean, uh, you know, sixty years of. Uh, of disparities in every aspect of American life. Uh, what I hear Resma saying is that, yeah, we love all of humanity, but let's be honest within this context, there's certain branches of humanity mm-hmm. that have been suppressed, depressed, oppressed, and we're here to lift them up mm-hmm. on a plane of equality with all people. Mm-hmm. So that's what it's about. You know, it's, yeah, we, we, we love all of humanity, including those parts of it that have been denied. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, systemically, historically, in every other way. And so that's the way I, I understand that. I mean, because um, I mean, it's based on facts, based on truth, based on history. I also think that, you know, Keith just talked about, you know, enslavement and, and, and Jim Crow. And all of that was done on a land where there were once 100 million people. If you talk about Canada and North America, it was once 100 million people. And now those people represent less than 6 million people. And so we're on a land in which people have been genocided off of it. And so, uh, yes, we love all humanity, but something has happened and continue to happen to certain peoples. And, and, and so I think for me and Keith, that is a really important piece to make sure that we address in our work, in our, in our work, or in our work, in our, in our writings and our dealings with people. John, it's, you know, there's this idea in, in Judaism called tikkun olam, mm. to heal a broken world. Mm. And we're both on a mission to heal what we view as brokenness in the world we live in. 
I want to take another phone call from a listener. Uh, this is Cooper on the phone. And Cooper, you're in Alden Township, is that correct? I'm in, I'm in Baldwin Township. Baldwin yep. Township. Okay. Uh, go ahead with your question or your comment. My question is, how do you guys build the relationship with the workload that you have? I mean, as a black business owner myself, dealing with the, the just the external stuff, mm-hmm. you guys... Uh, I would love to be in your communication circle because <laughs> what you're sharing as far as just opening up and being more perceptive to what's going on, it's a great episode. I, mm. I, I had to call. Mm. Well, I appreciate you calling. And, and part of what I'm hoping that Angela achieves through her, her this, this series mm-hmm. is to help people understand. Yeah, you think you've got to get those requisition papers out and those procurement documents filed. But maybe Cooper just needs to have breakfast as one of his friends. <laughs> that be real talk. But, but maybe that's what you got to do. That's you right. Know? That's right. It, it, look, when all, all of us are going to ha- – none of us are going to be here forever. That's right. And when mm-hmm. we are boxed up or however we go out, there nobody's going to know whether or not you got that form filled out and that's filed right. on time but your people will re- your friends will remember you yeah how you made them feel how you made them feel think about that i mean that i'm not saying neglect the work uh you know get that work done by all means both of us get our sure, work done that's right. but don't let your wife or your husband ever feel like you didn't care or they were a low priority or your kids your don't children. let your children don't let you Play ball with the kid and just stay up later and get whatever you got to get done and call your buddy. And call your buddy. I, I think I think there's there's so much urgency in white body supremacy. It's 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 at the root of white body supremacy, right? Urgent, get it, do it, da da da, right? And it really is a liberation, a liberatory act to say, well, maybe I need to rest. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to. Maybe I need to hear my boy's voice, or my friend's voice, or my girl's voice, or my or or, or my trans uncle's voice. You know what I mean? Maybe I need to hear them, right? And just be. And it, we have to actually condition our bodies to accept that, because otherwise, what happens is if you just say, "Well, I'm going to go on vacation," you never rest. You just do fun stuff, but you never really rest. You never when really we get like, up early. Don't want to miss that free that, breakfast. We're going to stay up late because there's a DJ tonight. That's right. You don't ever rest. <laughs> but that's, that, but that's what I'm saying. Vacation from your vacation. That's right. That's the urgency pieces. And, I, and, and it's good to hear this, this, this brother say this. You have to actually condition and temper yourself to be able to, to have your body accept rest. It's not just saying, okay, call your boy up. Right. Because you'll call your boy up one time. <laughs> and what me and Keith, do, we've been doing this over years. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what I would say is, brother, start conditioning, slowly conditioning yourself to picking up the phone at like just little bits. Even if you don't go spend time with people, just call people, listen to their voice so your body can get ready to hold people. Uh, Cooper, it, are you still there on the line, Cooper? Yeah, but, but the network, the, the network of who you call. See, I get I get a lot of phone calls, but my phone calls from people that consider themselves my buddies, generally speaking, want something. Yeah. <laughs> so to, to, bounce, mm-hmm. to, to bounce off a circle of individuals that have a, super, a high level of intelligence like yourselves, articulate like yourselves, who are showing, even on the air, how to communicate in a way of relaxation and holding each other accountable and helping each other out, the conversation is so valuable to me because I have not ever heard two individuals of your stature 
talk like you're talking, and it's it's beyond me right this moment. Mm. Like I said, I like inner circle. Mm. I don't I don't have that, and I've never had that. So it's it's beautiful to listen to. Yeah, um, there's one person in that crew that you're with that wants the same thing you want, and you got to figure out who that is. Well, an assignment. Yeah, there's one person. I would I would guarantee you, there's one person that loves hearing you call. There's one person that 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 they may want something from you, but there's an opportunity to cultivate something, and you have to cultivate it. You have to. Who is that person? And we live in a world where we're supposed to be doing stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, of course the calls generally are going to be. Did you file this? Would you do this? Would and you buy this? And he's a business this? owner. That's right. He's working right. in a world of a lot of networking. Right, right. right. Yeah. Would you buy this? Can I sell you this? Right. All, that's kind of. But the, what if you just said, "Hey, you know what? We're not talking about that this time. Right. Mm-hmm. We're going to do something else. We're just going to see how's your wife, how's your kids, how you doing, how you feeling. I heard you turned forty-five. I heard you turned sixty-eight. It. How's it going? And it, we're it. not. We're not going to buy or sell right now. That's we're just right. going to be people. Right. You know, do it over fishing. What do you guys like? And and so if if Cooper's feeling this way, I bet you some people in his circle are also feeling this way. Exactly mm-hmm. right. Let's go to Edina to talk to Miguel, who's on the phone. Good morning, Miguel. What did you want to ask or share? Hi. Good morning. Um, yeah. Huge fan of the show, Angela, but also just wanted to share support um, for Keith Ellison. Um, you know, I moved here recently, and I'm a young. Uh, man of color starting his professional career and getting to see you debate Jim Schultz last year <laughs> was a huge inspiration. Um, just seeing how you go beyond holding your own in, in these, you know, extremely, uh, extremely competitive environments was an inspiration for getting, you know, getting started in my own work as well. Thank you, Miguel. So remind me, so this would, would have been a debate when uh, Keith was running for the position of attorney general. Right. 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 And what what struck you? What did what touched you? Well, you know, obviously, there's been a lot of um, power dynamics and a, a whole lot of polarization, especially around race issues. And and I've um, personally been, you know, trying to find my own voice as I as I get into um, this big professional world that is dominated by certain aspects. Um, so just being able to see see somebody who I identify with and and really just put on an, an amazing performance was was huge. All right. That's if, you know, Miguel. If I may mm-hmm. say so, the the thing that I did, and and and, and actually, Resma helped me get ready for these debates. <laughs> yeah. this, that's a fact. So practicing for yeah. debates mm-hmm. is part well, of your friendship, and also just getting perspective. That's right. I never tried to win. Right. I just spoke my own truth. That's it. I I never tried to defeat, overcome. Just like I actually view my debate partner as somebody helping me to illuminate. To make your case. The, the, to make my case. Ah. So thank you for saying that thing that I think is wrong. <laughs> Here's what's right. That might evoke true. emotion. That's and right. might sound good as a soundbite. Right. But let yeah. me share with you what I know history shows us. Or, right. and, or... And, and by the way, at the end of that, those debates and at the end of that election, I was able to shake my opponent's hand. Mm-hmm. And I can say to Anyone in his family, I did your loved one no wrong. That's right. I was fair to them. I never insulted them. I just got up there and told the truth. So this is a clear difference between me and Keith, right? 
years ago, Keith said, man, you should run for this. You should run for that. You'd be you awesome, should, brother. That, no, be no, no, no. I always used to tell Keith, dude, I, I don't have, I can help you, but dude, I slapped it. I, dude, I, <laughs> dude, I just don't, I don't have that type of control like, and I, you're I, built differently. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, um, he can do that. And I love that about him. And I got other friends that can do that. And I love that. I can't. I don't do debate. I only speak my truth. I'm not, I'm not, it is not up for debate in terms of my truth and the people that I come from. It is not. And so, and so when he's getting ready for stuff, I love helping him with that because he knows how to take what I'm saying and work with it. I can't do it. Do you feel more politicians would benefit from having a therapist? Oh. Not necessarily just a close friend, as you guys are both. Right. You have both that, but just a therapist in Absolutely. general will be helpful for someone. Everybody, I, t- I tell everybody, get get somebody, get a therapist, right? Get somebody to talk, especially if you're going through a high-pressurized thing. Mm-hmm. You need somebody that can help you walk through the pieces, not give you answers, not tell you what the right thing to do, but just sometimes you need to have somebody witness you. Mm. And center you. And center you. And understand it's really not about you. Yes. <laughs> and that you're here serving other people. That's exactly okay. And if you and if you get all insulted and in your feelings, then that means you're vindicating your ego at some level. Yeah, real talk. Mm. Okay, let's talk about uh, these books. Uh, you wrote a book, uh, Keith, uh, that came out a few months ago titled Break the Wheel, Ending the Cycle of Police Violence. It shares some analysis of George Floyd's life and, and uh, his death and the trial. After so much news coverage, though, why, why did you want to write a book about this? Because I didn't want the conversation to die. Mm. I, I was worried that, okay, you know, we've prosecuted the people who murdered George Floyd. They've been and they're serving their sentences, you know, over. Move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. No, this is an enduring, endemic, systemic, yes. historic problem. And it's time to fix it. That's why I called it breaking the wheel. Mm-hmm. Which wheel? The cycle of some tragic Unfortunate incident occurs. Breonna Taylor, Eric Garner, George Floyd. Emmett Till. Emmett Till. And then we, I don't know, maybe we protest it. Maybe we do a study on it. Maybe we come up with some recommendations on it, but then we don't really change it. So then we end right back in the same space. In the meantime, the city of Minneapolis has paid over $100 million in police misconduct lawsuits. We've had over maybe a billion dollars when it comes to the property damage associated with George Floyd. We have a we had a decline in trust, in, in trust. And if you have in the when the tr- bond of trust between police and community breaks, I think that people who do commit crimes, private citizens who are criminals, see the opportunity, right? And so you, you see crime spikes. It is essential that we have a trusting, solid relationship between police and the guardians. And that's why I wrote the book. Now, on the book sleeve, it says this. um, While it may seem like an unattainable goal, lasting change and justice can be achieved. Right. Tell me more about that, because I, I know there's a lot of feeling of hopelessness right now. Well, what I would say is that. Uh, we have a lot of this is a system that really can work because there's a lot of powerful forces that 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 are pushing us towards it working. What are those forces? We all want to be safe, right? right. We want to be safe. So if we want to be safe, we need to say, well, part of that is community engagement. Part of it is, uh, you know, agents of the state police. And But maybe we need to rethink some things. Maybe we need to have a better uh, mental health response. A lot of people who are 
killed in connection with police contact uh, are suffering from a mental health crisis. Are we doing are we doing that the best we can? Why are we asking police to clear out a homeless shell uh, a, a mm. tent encampment? Mm-hmm. Maybe with they sh- maybe we should have social workers and housing specialists uh, helping those people to get housed. We we engage police around a lot of things that maybe other professionals are better suited to deal with. And and then why don't we go more upstream? I mean, you, you take for example this tragic situation with traffic stops. Mm. Well, um, so often. You know, what if we use more cameras? What if we what if we what if we what if we rethought how we're going to keep people safe? We could keep police safe. We could keep citizens safe and we can join up better together to reduce criminal uh, victimization. And I tell you, one of the things that Resma did in his book, uh, My Grandmother's Hands, is he wrote about how police officers are often emotionally uh, harmed and devastated by the work that we ask them to do as a society. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is part of the solution here. Officer wellness has got to be a top priority. We just had an officer who was shot. Thank God he wasn't killed. But, I mean, think about what him and his family are going through, yeah. him and his colleagues are going through. And, Reswin, you did work uh, for the Minneapolis Police Department years ago yeah. working with officers. And, and what did you learn and how did that inform you in terms of what we need today? Um. First off, I would say that um, that the system of policing, the system, the structure of policing is not built on healing. It's not it's not even built on the idea that people can heal. They, heck, they don't they, the, when 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 police officers have something that happens that is potentially traumatizing. There is really no response, no long-term response to how to deal with that as a, from a human perspective. So for me, one of the things that I came away with in that experience was saying that, you know, there, there has to be a rudimentary, a rudimentary change for how we understand human beingness. Right. That 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 when it comes to trauma, this is not a put rub some dirt on it and go about your way. Right. This is not just, you know, get a stiff upper lip and just keep moving. When it comes to trauma, that stuckness it reverberates through the bodies of people. And so for me, this this kind of uh, uh, understanding that from that this all of this stuff around inequities and, and white supremacy and white body supremacy and, 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 and phobia and trans, like all of that stuff at its root has to start to be being addressed. Cause otherwise what happens is, is that you end up kind of like always piecemealing things together as opposed to understanding that this, this structure has been predicated on a level of sickness that we haven't addressed and we haven't looked at. When you're talking about most of us, are on this land in which people have been genocided and enslaved on, right? These pieces have to be addressed. And so one of the things I talk about, I have a new book that's coming out called um, The Stories of My Grandmother's Grandmother's Hands. It's primarily dealing with how do you help children begin Mm. to understand these energies, these, these, these annihilation energies, these purge energies, these pieces that show up and then look like personality and look like culture and look like family traits, but are actually unhealed trauma pieces that have never been dealt with. So on my web, I'm giving away a hundred thousand of these books. Mm. Um, That book has not been published. No, it's it's, it's getting, it's getting published now. And so if people 
want to check it out, they can go to resma.com. Okay. What we can talk about, uh, the, the previous book, we've, we've mentioned them. Uh, you, you've, Resma, you've written a book about trauma. Uh, it, it, show, it, it talks about how it shows up in the body, uh, as well as you wrote a book uh, about the significance of the insurrection in yeah. Washington, D.C., the quaking of America. We've talked about that uh, on my show in the past. People can listen to that previous uh, episode. Now you have a, a new book uh, about relationships called i'm working with this title monsters in love yeah. uh, i saw this i'm like what is resma doing monsters in love is this fiction but what, what yeah. is but it's about relationships yeah uh, it's, it's brilliant it's about couples you, what what is what's a monster in love yeah so 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 you've been married a while angela you know what a monster years. you know what I a monster is i've been married 27 years i am an angel <laughs> uh my husband is a different guy i don't know what you're talking about what's a monster listen, in love listen when we get into relationships we start off relationships at our level at our at our limitations right with a lot of the one of the reasons why we can't really in a, in long-term relationships long-term relationships are designed to make you grow up and grow through mm-hmm. your own adult developmental issues mm-hmm. it's designed to it will push you right up against what you need in order to get better and grow up up and transform and nothing can do that like a long-term relationship and so what i tell people is the moment you say i do to another person or the moment you move in mm-hmm. with uh, into a, a house with another person have you noticed the moment that that happens stuff changes like like almost overnight you're like you used to didn't do this right <laughs> right <laughs> and what i tell people is that there's nothing going wrong that's the normal that's the normal machinery of relationships at the beginning of relationships, you only show your 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 similarities. You like mm-hmm. underwater basket weaving. I love oh. underwater basket weaving. Right? <laughs> yeah, you like right. But what ends up happening, the more time goes along, the more you start to show your differences. Nothing is going wrong. It's the thing your your limitations are wrapped inside of your virtues, and your virtues have to be pierced before you can start to begin to work with your limitations. We have a, a listener on hold. Uh, but we only have a minute and a half left. I'm just going to ask this question for Beth in St. Paul. She wants to know what advice do you have for men to establish friendships as they get older? Uh, in 30 seconds, Keith, advice for Beth. Call your friends. Get, stay regular. Don't just see your buddy and leave. Right. Say we're gonna yeah we're gonna hang out every month. We're gonna do breakfast. We're gonna go for a walk. We're gonna go fishing. We're gonna do something. Stay. That's, that's, he said it right there. Just stay with each other. Keep calling, keep emailing, keep talking, keep showing up, keep doing stuff, keep laughing, keep all of that stuff. Stay. We've been listening to my first power pair conversation I had a few months ago. I spoke with Resma Menicum, a longtime therapist in Minnesota, a best-selling author, and now a national speaker. Resma is also a licensed clinical social worker who specializes in the healing of racialized trauma. And Keith Ellison, who is Minnesota's attorney general. They've been close friends for 30 years. As we head into the new year, I am looking for your suggestions. More power pairs. Is there a power pair in your community or who you're a fan of, who you want me to interview? Tell me about them. They could be a married couple, siblings, business partners, or a mother-daughter or father-son duo, even best friends. Email me your ideas at adavis at npr.org. And if you missed part of today's show, remember you can always find our conversations on the podcast. Just search for NPR News with Angela Davis wherever you get your podcasts and listen when it's convenient for you. Be safe, everybody. Mm-hmm.